0: Welcome DCC Church family. I want to welcome those who may be watching live stream online as well. Um, even though you may be at home, please know that I know that uh, the heart of this church is that your family to them as well. So um, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to also watch us via live stream. So so yeah, my message today really is found in Romans uh, chapter 12, starting in verse um, 9 and um, I think as we read through these verses, it'll be really clear that it's a powerful message. In fact, um, if I recall, the week before um, DCC as a church opened, um, which was, was last week, um, Pastor Kevin gave just kind of a word of encouragement um, prior to opening. And in fact, if I recall, he closed with verses from this message and this, this passage of Scripture as a word of, of kind of encouragement to the church as DCC looked forward to beginning to, to worship and, and join again. And so I think it's appropriate um, for this time in this season that we find the body of Christ. And not just the body of Christ, but we as his children, right? We as his children, are, are we not transitioning as well like the church through an interesting season? And has God not empowered us for such a time as this? Amen. Amen. He has empowered us for such a time as this. And so um, I just want to say, um, listen, my heart today is that you'll, you'll find encouragement in the word of God. So let me read with you starting in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 9. I'll read through um, verse 21, but I promise I'm only going to focus on three verses today in, in, in an attempt to do my best to, to stay on schedule Um So in verse 9 it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor alive, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not pay, repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How many of you think that's an amazing message for today? How many of you think that's a powerful message for today? Amen? There's a lot there, but I'm, I'm just gonna break it down in the first three verses because I believe it sets a tone. And before we do that, I wanna remind us that when you get to Romans chapter 12, what you find is that the Apostle Paul here, who was addressing the church in Rome, You see that the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is really all about his doctrine. You see, in chapter 1, he begins to talk about as humanity and creation, we're without excuse. It's important that because we're without excuse, we show no favoritism. That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we are children of God because we've been justified by faith. And that because of that justification by faith, we now have peace with God. Listen, if you're out there today and you're not without peace. Listen, if you're out there today or you're here today and you're looking across and everything that's going on, you're without turmoil. I want you to know the very God of peace is available for you. And then he goes on to remind us that the gift of God is not like the trespass. He says that we were once dead to our sin, but we're now alive in Jesus Christ. That we have something in us now that's different. That the love of Christ has been deposited, the Bible says, in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to remind us in verse 8 that you are, chapter 8, that you are now free from the power of the law. Amen? That the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus as a believer has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then he reminds us that because of that, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In chapter 9, he says God's love for Israel. And then he begins to talk between chapter 9 and 11 about God's love for Israel and the Jewish people and the community. And he begins to establish that. And he reminds that because of that, that God Christ has put an end to the law. And because of that, both Jew and Gentile can enter in. And then he takes time to really begin to work through this conflict of God's grace as it relates to this transition from the Old Testament to the new and from law to grace. But then you get to verse uh, chapter 12, and what you find is that he begins to talk about what we call practical application. You see, if you ever look at Paul's writings, you will always find that he starts with doctrine first and then practical application second, because what you believe makes a difference about how you act. That's right. Right. He spent 11 chapters Saying, "Listen, I want to teach you about the foundation of your Christianity," and then he transitions us into about how you behave and how you act. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's often been said that Chapter Twelve of Romans is what we would call the B attitudes of the Apostle Paul to the Church of Rome. The B attitudes, spelled B. E. You see, because when you look at these verses in here, what you'll find is this. You'll find this. Very simply, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, listen, I want you to be loving. I want you to be sincere. I want you to be considerate. I want you to be fervent. I want you to be joyful. I want you to be patient. I want you to be prayerful. I want you to be giving. I want you to be hospitable. I want you to be different. I want you to be understanding. I want you to be united in verse 16. I want you to be humble. I want you to be forgiving. Amen? You think he's done? He goes, I want you to be faithful. I want you, as believers in Christ, to be peaceful. I want you to be trusting. I want you to be a servant. And then at the end, he says, if you look at verse 21, listen, very simple. He says, I want you to be good. I want you to be good. That's a simple message, isn't it? When we try to teach that to our children, right? I just, I want, you to be, I just want you to be good. I want you to be kind. want you to be kind. So I'm gonna, I want to focus today, if I may, on the first three verses of Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. And the first one I want to talk about is this one in verse 9. Is that me? Thank you, Chris. Hey, I wrote this really, I them really big. <laughs> so it's often been said that this is, this is a message of love in action. You see, again, I shared that the Apostle Paul was, was transitioning from, from biblical theology to practical application as Christians. Here's an interesting fact to you. Do you know that in the book of Acts that the word love is never mentioned once? And yet it's full of acts of love. You see, the book of Acts, which was the launching of the church, which is still going on today, Right? It's like a great uh, love story, or if you go see uh, a play, right? You have act one, scene two, act one, scene three, and then you get into act two and act three and act four. How much you know the acts of the church are still going on today? We're, We're a part of the acts of the church today. It's the only book that's not finished written yet because we're participating with its completion So, our actions matter. Our actions matter. Our actions matter. And the Apostle Paul says this he says, Love must be sincere. The King James says, without dissimulation. The word dissimulation means to hide under a false appearance one of my funnest examples about this word dissimulation was when um, after I got saved and I watched uh, the Wizard of Oz for the first time after my born again experience and I realized that the great and powerful Oz (laughs) was displaying dissimulation wasn't he? Because little Toto pulled the curtain back and you thought he was great and powerful. He was this little short, squatty old man. Right? He wanted a perception. See, that's, that's what the word persona is or personality. That's why you never, never, listen, I know there's a lot of young kids here and even those that are old. You never build relationships off of personality. He has a nice personality. I don't care. Seriously, because the word personality comes from the word prasana, and it means how you perceive me to be. It doesn't mean who I am. You see, this word sincere in the Greek is about dissimulation. It's, it's a false sense of appearance. And actually, this English word sincere comes from the Latin word sincere, and it means this. It means to be without wax. It means to be without wax. What does that mean? Well, it actually was an old practice that they used to use. The merchants in Rome used to use this as a practice. And it had to do with the creativity of pottery. How many of you know that he is the potter and we are the clay? See, it has to do with a sense of creativity. And merchants would make their wares and they would sell their pottery. And if a piece of pottery was uh, fired, how I many you know when a piece of pottery gets fired, right? Sometimes it comes out with flaws, doesn't it? You can fire a piece of pottery and it will come out without cracks. But sometimes when you apply heat, it will come out with cracks. And the trick was, was that what you would do in those days is that you would take wax and you would fill the crack in. And then you would put a veneer over it And the merchant would sell it as if it was sincere, without wax. I don't know about you, but man, the church needs to learn what it is to be sincere. The church needs to learn that people are not looking for you to be perfect. They're looking for you to be sincere. You see, if I have a piece of pottery that's been fired... And it comes out of that with a, with a crack in it. That's, why, that's what Shauna was saying when she opened up and when she, she began to share. She said, I don't, I don't necessarily need your opinion. I just need you. Come on. Yeah. You see, so, so you could fire one and it'll come out with a crack and you can fire another one and it won't. And you can put both of them up and you can sell both of them. And you know what? If you sell both of them the way that they came out, guess what? They are both sincere. The one with the crack is no less sincere than the other. It's really a matter of what you do with it. Are you hearing me? What is the world looking for today? You know what the world is looking for? They're looking for sincerity. They're looking for authenticity. And Paul says, you must be sincere. You can't do the right, you you can't be kind. You can't be affectionate. You can't be giving. None of the other be attitudes that the Apostle Paul challenges us to do in our practical application of the administration of love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and in humanity unless we learn to be sincere. Amen? We learn to be sincere. Then he goes on to say in sincerity, then he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. I propose to you today that this message of hating evil or abhorring evil and clinging to what is good is simply a byproduct of sincerity. And you can't separate the two of them. That means I can't abhor evil without clinging to good. These two things are not Mutually exclusive. They are not. If you do one, you must do the other. Amen or oh me? You say, oh, well, I abhor evil. Well, but, but, but then what are you doing? You, you, you can't, you have, in order to do one, you have to cling to good. Amen. Right? That's like our children. I say, hey, if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. I mean, you have to make, you have to make a stand, Right? It's like, that's why if we repent, repentance just doesn't mean I'm saying I'm sorry. It means I'm turning from there and going the other way. Amen. So he says, I want you to be sincere. Our love must be sincere. Learn to hate what is evil. You know, we can make a stand in this day, right? For what we believe is wrong, according to the scripture. We can do that, and we can still embrace love. They're not mutually exclusive. The problem is, is that the message that we're hearing in the culture today is that they almost must be. I mean, I was on a message uh, following some friends, and, and, uh, and they were just somewhat debating, and those of you who follow social media probably know you can see a lot of that these days. But I know both. And and, and so they basically said, hey, we're just going to agree to disagree. And somebody chimed in and said, well, because you simply agreed to disagree, you actually are participating in a racist attitude because you chose. They said, well, wait a minute. I'm just, we'll see the next part of this. I'm just choosing to know that I can get an argument and change a thing. I can respect where they're at, disagree with that. And still at the same time say, I'm not participating in it. You want to know why? Because he was sincere. He was honest about the fact that we seem, we're, we're at a different point of view. How many have you ever been that with somebody? It happens. In fact, my wife and I get that. We, we've been there a couple times. <laughs> if you're listening at home, I, <laughs> you know, I want to help you. <laughs> I, want to, I want to help you. Listen, if, you, if we're not sincere with one another, then we will never get to the crux of that. Amen? So then, in verse 10, the apostle... Whoa, I did it on my glasses. I'm live. See, I'm being sincere. Got a, little, got a little flaw, Sean. I'm just, you know, messing up here on there. Um, then he goes on to say, in verse 10, he said, "Now Listen, I want you to be devoted to one another. In brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted. What does it mean to be devoted? Shona said that. It's like, listen, we we need devotion to one another. It doesn't always mean, sometimes, you know, you may just have to come alongside me, even though I might not be where you think that I should be at. Devotion means that I'm with you through it. Oh my goodness, my favorite passage of scripture is in Romans about the um, about Abraham. And the Bible says this Abraham said, it said, Abraham hence believed in hope and staggered not. Whoa. And staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. And not being weak in his faith. I'm gonna ask you a question. Have you ever studied the life of Abraham? Have you ever seen Abraham walk out that principle or that issue of, of, of him staggering not at the promises of God, when I look at it, I mean, when he got to a first thing, he said, "He said, uh, hey, is this your wife? No, uh, no, that's, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Was he honest? What would you say about dishonesty? Does dishonesty appear to you to be one who is staggering not at the promises of God through unbelief? I don't know about you, but I would probably say, well, if he believed God, he wouldn't have lied. He just would have told the truth and God would have got him through it. Well, probably true. But you know what? He lied. He said Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God through unbelief. I don't know about you, but he looked like he staggered. I mean, look looked like me. He got a little rock. Whoa. whoop! Let me get my bearings about me. Why do you say that, Craig? I say I want you to know something. God's perspective about your faith and your journey of faith is a lot different than your own. God sees it differently than you do. If you're at home and you're struggling, I want you to know somebody. I believe there's somebody here today. You need to hear that right now. Because you have been criticizing yourself. You've judged your faith. You've judged yourself based on whether you thought that you were uh, staggering or not. Maybe your knees were a little weak. I want you to know something. God sees it differently than you do. See, be devoted to one another. This word devoted in the Greek is the word philostorgus. It comes from two words, phileo, which is the one brotherly love, and storgus or storge, which is natural love. Natural love. Natural love is the love that a parent has for their children. It's like the natural love that a, a, a bear would have for its cubs. How many of you know you don't ever get between a bear and its cubs? How many of you know that? Right? We often say that between mama and her children. It's a natural, right? So it's a devotion. It gives the connotation of family. It gives the connotation of commitment, of brotherly love. And that's what the Greek word phileo is, brotherly love. That word brotherly love really is translated Philadelphia. That's why the city of Philadelphia's motto here in the United States is known as, for those of you maybe you know it, the city of brotherly love. It comes from the Greek word phileo. So we have devotion for one another. And how do we do that? We do that with brotherly love. We do that with honoring and preferring one another. That's the next thing. Honor someone, honor others above yourself, esteem them. This word honor literally, Timmy is sitting right here, he'll he'll love this. This word honor in the Greek is really the word teme. It's where we get the word Timmy from. Timmy actually means one who honors God. It means one who honors God. Right to honor. But it goes deeper than that. It literally goes to the fact that it's one of placing value, it's one of placing respect. I don't know about you, but one of the things that we need to begin to regain and capture in our culture is a culture of honor. It's a culture of honor. That's why for a number of years I've supported a ministry that goes into public schools called Men and Ladies of Honor. And it goes into public schools and it teaches them godly principles about chivalry and about integrity and about being a person of your word. Right in the public schools, after school program, one of my best friends is the director of West Michigan area. His name is Randy Badge. Check it out. Go online. I'm telling you what, they're doing amazing things. They've seen schools And school districts change and the culture of that school and the mutual respect that students have one for another. You want to address bullying? You want to address injustice? Listen, bring back a culture of honor where you understand that there's a place of value. So he says honor one another above oneself. In the Greek, the word esteem is implied. The word esteem. Listen, this is good. The word esteem literally means this. It's two words. It's really two. It's pro. And it's hagojime. And it literally means leading to an important conclusion. To lead the way. Passing on the right example by model or by exhibiting the proper behavior. You want to know something many of you know? I work with a number of the leadership of this church. You know what they did? They applied this message. They applied this principle to the transitioning and opening of DCC Church. And they did it with grace. And they did it with conviction. They did it with honor. And they said, we're going to give you an opportunity to social distance here. If you're going to be in the other side, we'll still be live streaming. You can do that. And listen, and if you decide to stay home, that's okay. You can do that too. You know what they did? They esteemed others above themselves. It was a principle of esteeming one. It was a principle of setting value and honor and respect. Even though, oftentimes, even as believers, we come from various differences and backgrounds. I spent pastoring 17 years or so in the Cedar Springs community, and I spent probably the better part of 15 years of that leading the Cedar Springs Ministerial Association. And when I took over at that leadership, the first thing we began to do was talk about how are we going to reach our community for Christ. And then we said this, we said, well, if we're going to reach our community for Christ, we got to know what we believe. How many of you know doctrine, practical application? So I got all the leaders together in that community, Methodists, Christian reform, assembly of God, full gospel, free Methodist, you name it, I got them. You know what we begin to do? We begin to develop a culture of honor. We begin to esteem and prefer one another. And those of you who've ever followed what's going on in the Cedar Springs community, I'm telling you, it's leading the way. It's setting an example. We developed a youth center in that community that's fully funded every year. Brings in Christian programs like Men and Ladies of Honor. We hold a joint worship service every year with all the churches. And then we begin to do four services a year. We cultivated relationships so much so that we had a pulpit swap. And various pastors from different denominations came in our churches and preached. You know what we did? We lived out the principle of honor in esteeming others better than ourselves. And so we just didn't go to doctrinal places that would cause division. We focused around the essentials and the cause of Christ, and it began to foster unity in the community. That's good. I'm telling you, church, we need to do that. You want to see Unity. In our culture today, listen, I'm telling you, even if you're not a believer, it's time to develop a culture of honor and begin to esteem one another in this country. And then lastly, he says this. Listen, I want you never to be lacking in zeal. I got two minutes and 30 seconds. Never lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor alive serving the Lord. Notice it didn't say serving the church. It said serving the Lord. You know the greatest struggle is that when you lose focus, when you lose focus about where and why it is that you're serving and who you're serving, you often will begin to struggle. You need to realize when you commit to serve, you're serving the Lord. You want to keep your spiritual fervor alive. How many of you have ever seen people who their spiritual fervor has, and usually it happens because they've lost. Focus about whom they are serving. If you're serving Jesus, you're serving the Lord, you will always keep your spiritual fervor alive. That word fervor means to stay hot for God. Want to stay hot for God? Continue to serve him. You want to stay hot for God? Be sincere in your love. Learn to prefer one another above yourself. Learn to develop an attitude and honor of culture that sets an example. See, it's one of leadership. I hope you're encouraged today. See, because I believe the church is in its finest hour. I hope you're encouraged at home because you want to know why? Because we are positioned to share the love of Christ in ways and in hearts And in many places that in times past, maybe we haven't been able to reach. You know how we're going to reach it? By being sincere, developing a culture of honor, and serving Jesus. And above all, keep your beatitudes. Go back through that chapter again. I pray that over the days and weeks ahead, you will just meditate on these verses. And I believe it will not only change the way that we think, but change the way that we live. My message today is sincere love, meaning love in action. How many think that's needed in our day and age? Let's pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, all around this room, Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God. We thank you, God, that we will not be disappointed because your love has been shed abroad in our our hearts. And the very opposite of disappointment is the word appointment. It means to be appointed. And I believe today that the church's hope is being restored with sincerity and love because, God, you have appointed us for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. And everybody who can agree, say amen. Amen.